Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept, and jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum. He reminds them of the favor of Allah. Now, what do they have to do? Ya qawm, udkhulu al-ard al-muqaddasa allati katab Allahu lakum wa la tartaddu ala adbalikum fatanqalibu khasitin. O people, O my people, enter into the sacred land that Allah has written for you and do not turn your backs towards it fatanqalibu khasitin so that you return as losers. They said, قَالُوا يَا مُوسَىٰ إِنَّ فِيهَا قَوْمًا جَبَّارِينَ وَإِنَّا لَنْ نَدْخُلَهَا حَتَّى يَخْرُجُوا مِنْهَا فَإِنْ يَخْرُجُوا مِنْهَا فَإِنَّا دَاخِلُونَ That there are some crazy people that live in that city. Those guys are serious. They're massive. These guys are strong. They're armed to their teeth. We're gonna go there. We just came from Egypt. We didn't bring anything with us. We're malnourished. We're not strong people. We want, you want us to go to war? We haven't fought in generations. How are we going to go and fight against these guys? It's like me choosing five people from here, five people from this, from this crowd and say, saying that you have, to go fight, you have to go play against the Lakers. <laughs> what himma do we have to stand in front of these ulama, these akabir? We stand in front of them on the court and we'll be on our knees already. So how are we going to stand in front of inna fiha qawman jabbarin? The ulama say regarding these people that these were a group of the amaliqa. These were giants, massive folks. We will read about them ahead when we cover the story of Dawood that Allah describes them and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the hadith describes them as very massive people. These people were very big. Dawood chances against Jalut were not high because in terms of mass, which one was bigger? Jalut was much bigger. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds Dawood and his people the principle. A timeless principle. By Allah, anyone that understands this, they have accomplished so much in life. كَمْ مِنْ فِئَةٍ قَلِيلَةٍ غَلَبَتْ فِئَةً كَثِيرَةً بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ مُحَصَّابِرِينَ Understand that. Allah is not a fan of numbers. Allah doesn't care a lot about big numbers. Otherwise, the Sahaba would have had the biggest number in Badr. Allah is not about big numbers. What is Allah about? كَمْ مِنْ فِئَةٍ قَلِيلًا How many times has it happened that a small group of people, fi'a means group, qalila, small group of people, غَلَبَتْ have overcome fi'atan kathira, overcome a large group of people, بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ with the permission and help of Allah. وَاللَّهُمَا عَصَّابِرِينَ Allah is with those that are patient. Bring us men of quality, we can give you a change in the direction of humanity. But first give us men and women of quality. Bring them forward first. So they said to Musa salam, we are willing to enter into Al-Ard al-Muqaddasa, the sacred land, under a condition, which is that they have to leave first. You figure out a way to get these guys out, and we will come, into, we will come in. إِنَّا لَن نَدْخُلَهَا حَتَّى يَخْرُجُوا مِنْهَا فَأَنْ يَخْرُجُوا مِنْهَا فَإِنَّا دَاخِلُونَ That we won't enter until they exit. And if they exit then, we will enter. 
there were two people there were two people from there who were blessed who Allah had put some fear in their heart they had some respect they advised these people and they said oh people Musa السلام, hasn't even told you to fight against him he just said enter it if you enter Allah will give you victory you won't even have to fight what do these two men say? They said to them, All you need to do is enter into the city, Allah will give you victory. Now, who were these two people? Who were these um, two people? The ulama, they write, one of them was Yusha bin Noon. Yusha bin Joshua. Yusha bin Noon. And the second one was a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some say he was a prophet, some say he wasn't. His name is Kalib. Yusha is said to be a prophet, who later on will become a prophet, not now. And some scholars also hold the position that the second person, Kalib, was also a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, what happened to these folks? What did they say? These, these two people, they said, enter, Allah will give you victory. And on Allah you should rely if you are believers. So the Manu Israel responded back. They said, Ya Musa, inna lan abada fiha. The first time they said, lan This time what did they do? They further emphasized it a few folds. We will never enter, abadan, ever, madamu fiha, as long as they are in it. So go you and your Lord and fight and we are sitting right here. This is where they disrespected Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is where they disrespected Musa salam, Where they abandoned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, the messengers, and their messenger. While their messenger and Allah never abandoned them. Allah never abandoned them. Their messenger never abandoned them. And here they are already abandoning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You guys go to war, we're sitting here with the popcorn. We'll enjoy the view from here. Once things are done, call us, we will join you in the celebration. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, No, Musa alayhi salam immediately, when he heard the statement of disrespect, he said, Inni la amliku illa nafsi wa akhi. Oh my Lord, I do not have control over these folks. I only have control over my brother and I, and we're, we are two soldiers ready to go to war. So make a distinction between us and our people. If any punishments to come on them, don't let it come on us too. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, That this land has now been prohibited on them for 40 years. They will not enter into the sacred land for how many years? 40 years. What will they do for 40 years? They will roam the land. To not have any regret or remorse over people who are transgressors. Ibn Abbas was asked by Sa'id bin Jubair. And Sa'id bin, and Sa'id bin Jubair said, Ibn Abbas, Sa'id bin Jubair says that I asked Ibn Abbas regarding the statement of Allah, that Allah says that it's been prohibited on them for 40 years, they will roam the land. So he asked Ibn Abbas, what does this mean? Faqal, he said, فَتَاهُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةً That they roamed the land for 
40 years. يُسْبِحُونَ كُلَّ يَوْمٍ يَسِيرُونَ لَيْسَ لَهُمْ قَرَارٍ That what would happen is, they would wake up in the morning, they would begin to travel, and they weren't sure where they were going. They wouldn't have any idea of where they were going, they would just go. And then, um, the clouds would overcome them, so they would lose track of the sky and where they were going. Man and Salwa would come, they would eat, and they would end up back where they started. They weren't able to go anywhere. They were locked in this land. The ulama, they write that Banu Israel remained in this land until finally Yusha bin Nun, he later on becomes a Khalifa of Musa salam, and most of Banu Israel had died by that time. He then guided them forward. And they were then able to go into the sacred land and, and, and conquer it as they were uh, destined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَقَصَدَ بِهِمْ بَيْتِ الْمَقْدِسِ فَحَاصَرَهَا They surrounded بَيْتِ الْمَقْدِسِ فَكَانَ فَتْحًا يَوْمَ الْجُمْعَةِ بَعْضِ الْعَصْرِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them victory over Al-Quds on Friday after Asr Salah. When the sun was just about to set, once the sun sets uh, on Friday, it becomes Saturday, and Saturday they can't fight. So, uh, Yusha was worried that, السلام, that maybe the sun will set and we won't be able to enter, and we are at victory right here. He then said, oh, he said to the son that you are commanded by Allah to set and I am commanded by Allah to conquer. He then turned to Allah and said, Ya Allah, hold the son back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala held the son back. They conquered, they entered, and that victory was granted to them. Now while they were in this wadi tih, in this land that they roamed in, Musa alayhi salam turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said, Ya Allah, now that we are free from Fir'aun and we are settled and this is where we are going to be, give us revelations so we can be guided. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised Sayyidina Musa salam that he would be granted revelation after Banu Israel were freed from Misr. So now Musa salam makes that call to Allah. Ya Allah, give me that revelation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Musa salam that in order to get revelation, he must go into seclusion. Seclusion for 30 days. How many days? 30 days. وَوَاعَدْنَا مُوسَى ثَلَاثِينَ لَيْلَةً Musa السلام, was told to go into seclusion for 30 days. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَتْمَمْنَاهَا بِعَشْرٍ فَتَمَّ مِيقَاتُ رَبِّهِ أَرْبَعِينَ لَيْلَةً then we added 10 more. So therefore, the complete period that he was in seclusion was 40 days. During these days, Musa salam fasted. There's a few points to be discussed here. The first thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored Musa salam by inviting him for a 40-day i'tikaf, for him to go into seclusion. The second thing we learn is, for every Prophet of Allah minus Sayyidina Muhammad they had to go to receive revelation. Muhammad our Prophet, was the only Prophet to whom revelation came. Allah never told him to go anywhere. Wherever he was, Jibreel would come. If he was in Badr, Jibreel was told to go there. 
If he was in Aisha radiallahu anha's lap, Jibreel was told to go there. If he was in Majd al-Nabwi, Jibreel was told to go there. The Prophet this is the honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that Allah did not put any inconvenience on him, wherever he went, revelation followed. As for the other Prophets of Allah, they had to sit back, they had to go forward and, 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 and receive that revelation. Musa alayhi salam remained in seclusion for 40 days. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu says, and this is also the position of Mujahid and Masruq, that he Dhul Qa'da wa Ashrum min Dhul Hijjah. That the 40 days were 30 days of Dhul Qa'da and 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. Amarahu an yasuma shahra wa yanfarida fihi bil'ibadah. Allah told him to fast for all days and to do nothing but worship. And this is what Musa alayhi salam did day and night, doing dhikr of Allah and just keeping himself engaged. Fazida alayhi Ashrul layal min Dhul Hijjah. That then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala added 10 more days. So it was Dhul Qadr that he, fa- that he was the original 30 days meeting period. Then Allah added 10 more days of Dhul Hijjah. Why were these 10 days added? Why were these 10 days added? Some scholars they say, Qila, Inna Allah ta'ala awha ilayhi, Lamma staka ya Musa la ukallimuka hatta ya'uda fuka ila ma kana alayhi qabl. أَمَا عَلِمْتَ أَنَّ رَائِحَةَ الصَّائِمْ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ رِيحِ الْمِسْكِ وَأَمَرَهُ بِسِيَامِ عَشَرَةِ أَيَّامِ That Musa salam was fasting for 30 days and at the end of the 30 day period, as you know, when the body begins to burn fat and you enter into the state of ketosis, what happens to the mouth guys? It begins to smell, right? And as the mouth begins to smell, Musa alayhi salam was aware that my, my, my time is coming close. My 30 days are coming to an end. Allah is going to give me revelation. I don't want to stand in front of Allah with bad breath. So what did he do? He began to do miswak to get rid of that bad breath. This is what some narrations say. Some narrations they say Musa alayhi salam ate food actually. He stopped fasting, he ate some food so that that smell would go away. So when Allah does give him revelation, he would be ready. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Oh Musa, do you not know? That the smell that comes out of the mouth of one that is fasting is more beloved to Allah than musk. Fast 10 more days. Bring that smell back. That smell is a sign of sacrifice. That's why Allah loves it. That smell is a sign of what? Sacrifice. You know, when a person is reading the Quran for many hours or a long time, or a student is reading hadith, or reading some ulum al-Quran, preparing for a fiqh exam, when they're sitting there all long nights and they're reading and they begin to doze, that dozing of theirs is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah must be telling His angels, look at my servant. He is exhausted, she's exhausted while reading hadith, while reading Quran, while studying fiqh. This is how beautiful. Even though normally is dozing a good thing or a bad thing? It's not a good thing. Bad mouth coming from your mouth, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's not generally a good thing. But it's a sign of a sacrifice. You know, when people's eyes are really heavy because they've been standing long nights in the hajjid, when people become weak because of fasting in Ramadan, these things are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now when Musa salam went for this i'tikaf of his, he left his brother in charge behind him. Actually, I need to backtrack a little, if I may. I need to go back. You know, I was sharing with you that Musa salam told his people to go into war and they refused. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. Musa told his people to go into war and they refused. There was a riwayah there that I wanted to share. 
but it slipped my mind. And I want to bring that riwayah because it's a very beautiful riwayah. It helps us create some perspective. Um, when the Prophet ﷺ was preparing to go into the battle of Badr, he had asked the companions, what is your thought about going into Badr? Should we go or not? The reason why he asked this question was because when the Prophet ﷺ arrived in Medina Munawwara, he made an agreement with the residents of Medina, the Ansar, which was that you will support us if Medina is attacked. The Ansar agreed to this. The battle of Badr was not a defense, it was an offense. So the, the Sahaba, the Ansar, were not obligated to stand by the side of the Prophet per their agreement. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to see whether they were in support or not. Therefore he asked them that what are your thoughts about going to the battle of, going, going and stopping the caravan of Abu Sufyan, which may lead to a battle. Many Sahaba got up from the Muhajirun and they said, we're with you, we're with you, we're with you, a messenger of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ was waiting for someone from the Ansar to say something. The Muhajirun were with the Prophet, that was established. They had left Mecca already. That was a proof that they were willing to go to death with him. The question was, the Prophet was wondering, what will the Ansar say? So there's a riwayah that Al-Miqdad radiallahu qala li Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yawm badr. He said to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on that day, Ya Rasulullah, inna la, inna la naqulu laka kama qalat banu Israeli Musa. That we will not say to you what Musa alayhi salam's people said to him. What did they say? فَذْهَبْ أَنْتَ وَرَبُّكَ فَقَاتِلَا إِنَّا هَاهُنَا قَاعِدُونَ You and your Lord go and fight, we will sit behind. وَلَكِنْ We will say, اِذْهَبْ أَنْتَ وَرَبُّكَ فَقَاتِلَا إِنَّا مَعَكُمَا مُخَاتِلُونَ That you and your Lord should go fight and we will be with you fighting as well. اِذْهَبْ أَنْتَ وَرَبُّكَ فَقَاتِلَا إِنَّا مَعَكُمَا مُخَاتِلُونَ That we will be with you and we will be fighting with you. Now, Musa السلام, when he went for his i'tikaf, he left his brother behind as a khalifa. He left his brother behind as a khalifa. He appointed him in his place and he said, your responsibility is to look after the people in my absence. Now, the Prophet while making reference to this set in a narration that can be found in Sahih Muslim, from Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas radiallahu an, he says, سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَقُولِ لِعَلِيٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْ حِينَ خَلَّفَهُ فِي بَعْضِ الْمَغَازِيهِ أَمَا تَرْضَى أَن تَكُونَ مِنِّي بِمَنْزِلَةِ هَارُونَ مِنْ مُوسَى إِلَّا أَنَّهُ لَا نَبِيَّ بَعْدِي When the Prophet ﷺ was going once on an expedition, so he said to Ali radiallahu an, you will stay behind and watch over Medina Munawwara in my absence, just as Musa alayhi salam appointed Harun alayhi salam in his absence. But there is no prophet after me. Illa annahu la nabiyya ba'di. Harun alayhi salam was a prophet, but Ali is not a prophet, because after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi there is no prophet. Now some people have used this narration of Sahih Muslim to establish Ali radiallahu an should have been the first khalifa. Ali radiallahu anh should have been the first khalifa because the Prophet wasallam said that you are to me like Harun alayhi salam was to Sayyidina Musa. Now there are many um, obviously objections against this statement. The first thing, first thing to reflect over 
وقد استخلف النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم على المدينة ابن أم مكتوم وغيره ولم, ولم يلزم من ذلك استخلافه دائما بالاتفاق Ali radiallahu anhu was not the only person who the Prophet sallallahu has appointed had appointed as a deputy in his absence. He had appointed other companions too. Ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhu and other companions were appointed in the absence of the Prophet. So if we take this logic that anyone that is appointed by the Prophet sallallahu in his absence uh, needs to be the Khalifa, then what about Ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhu? What about other companions? By consensus, they are not considered as a Khalifa, so why would this statement apply exclusively? What this means, the statement means, is that in my absence you have complete authority. And that's the responsibility of the deputy. That when the messenger is missing, whoever was appointed as the naib over Medina Munawwara in the absence of the Prophet ﷺ, they had authority. What they said had to be treated as if the messenger of Allah ﷺ himself was saying it. Another thing, that, another reason why you can't make qiyas, you can't draw an analogy, is because Harun salam was already a prophet. And other people who were appointed as successors in the absence of the prophet, they were not prophets. Therefore the qiyas, the logic, is not complete. Now Musa salam, when he left his people, when he was going on his i'tikaf, he said to them, I will be gone for 30 days. But as we know, how many days did he return in? A minimum of 40. When 30 days came to an end, Banu Israel started getting anxious. Where is Musa? Where is Musa? On the other side, Musa salam is receiving revelation. 40 days have passed by. Musa salam speaks to Allah, he receives revelation, he hears from Allah during those 40 days. He then takes the courage and says, Rabbi arini anzur ilayk. Oh my Lord, let me see you. Some ulama they say, when he says, Anzur ilayk, Rabbi arini anzur ilayk, give me permission so that I may see you. Some scholars they say what that means is, Anzur ilayka, they say that this means, may I see your bounties. What, what if some scholars said, may I see your? May I see your bounties. That's what, this is what this means. It doesn't mean that he wanted to see the that of Allah. However, majority of the mufassirun, they say this means that he wanted to actually see Allah. And the reason why he made this request is because since he had spoken to Allah, something that no one before him had done, he thought, you know what, let me push my luck and see if I can get the next step too. I've spoken to Allah, no one before me has done that. Let me also see if I can also see Allah. Rabbi arini anzur ilayk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately says to, says to Musa alayhi salam, that qala lan tarani, you will not see me. Now here this raises a question. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that you will not see me, what does that mean? Does that mean it's impossible for a person to see Allah? This is the position of the Mu'tazila. They've said, not only the Mu'tazila, many, some other groups have taken this position as well. These are people who, whose uh, um, belief deviates a little from the position of the Ahl-Sunnah wa Jama'ah. They've said that it's impossible for a person to see Allah. End of story. Do you guys understand? They've said that it's impossible for a person to see Allah. End of story. They rely on the ayah of the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَا تُدْرِكُهُ absar." No eye can... Um, I like the word grasp. There's another word I'm thinking of. It's right at the tip of my tongue. Idraq. I'm going to use grasp for now. I, I kind of like that. It's close enough. It's close enough to what I'm thinking. Conceive. That's what I was thinking of. لا تدركه الأبصار No eye, eyes 
or sight cannot conceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, we agree that no eye can ever see every element of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Idraq means to see something from every aspect, to fully conceive it, fully understand it, fully grasp it. We agree as the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah that no one can ever truly fully see Allah from all angles and all sides and all jihad because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not restricted to jihad and angles. Are you guys following? Now when we, see, when we say that a person will see Allah, how will that happen? We say, the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, we say that in the world the human beings are prevented from seeing Allah by the will of Allah. What do we say? Otherwise, if it was impossible, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have told Musa alayhi salam, it's not possible for you to see me. Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, look at the, look at the mountain, in istaqarra makanahu, fasawfa tarani, if the mountain stays in its place, then you will see me, soon you will see me, fasawfa tarani. Why would Allah say all of this if it wasn't mumkin, if it wasn't possible? Fahimtum? Do you guys understand? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying to Musa alayhi salam, look at the mountain and see if it remains in its place. Allah intended to expose himself to the mountain, and if the mountain remains in its place, then you can see me. This proposal of Allah is only meaningful if seeing Allah was possible. Otherwise, was Allah making mockery of Musa alayhi salam? You guys understand? So the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be seen by the eye. Now, the Mu'tazila, they say that's a big accusation against Allah. How can the eye, the human eye, see Allah? So we say that we have narrations from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and ayat of the Qur'an. On that day, there will be faces that will be shining on the Day of Judgment. We believe that in the world the eye won't see Allah, even though it can, but it won't. It will see Allah for the believing servants, inshallah, will see Allah when? Yawm al-Qiyamah. And the companions asked this question. They said, O Messenger of Allah, how will we see our Lord on the Day of Judgment? And there are so many riwayat in Bukhari and Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ said, you will see it like you see the full moon on the, in the middle of the month, you know, when it's a full night. Full moon, that's how you'll see it. No one will have to push, no one will have to shove. You will see what you need to see. That's it. When you see the moon, this example of the Prophet is beautiful. Ru'yatullah is thabit. Idraq of Allah is not thabit. When you see the moon, do you see the whole moon or part of it? It's not idraq. We agree, la tudrikuhu al-absar. No one can fully encompass and conceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you can do ru'yatullah as you do ru'yatul badr. Ru'yatul qamar, as you see the full moon or a part of the moon. Ru'yatul hilal, a crescent. Just like you can see it, you will be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Um, naturally, Musa alayhi salam, when he looked at the mountain, the mountain collapsed. Wakharra Musa, Sa'iqa. Musa alayhi salam also fell down and he collapsed as well. Now when Musa alayhi salam collapsed, when he gets up, what's one of the first things that he says? Subhanaka inni tubtu ilayk. Immediately he says to Allah, Ya Allah, I apologize. I'm sorry. What was he apologizing for? Qala Mujahid, Mujahid the famous Mufassir says, Min mas'alati ru'yati fi dunya that he apologized for his request to see Allah in the world. Because he had pushed what was offered to him. Kalam with Allah was offered to him, he didn't have to ask for it. Because Allah offers certain things. But out of adab, you don't ask from Allah that which is not suitable for the insan. فَلِذَلِكَ تَابَ And this is why he repented. repented. 
This is not because of a sin. Some the ulama they say, وَأَجْمَعَتِ الْأُمَّةُ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ هَذِهِ التَّوْبَةِ مَا كَانَتْ عَنْ مَعْصِيَةِ فَإِنَّ الْأَنْبِيَاءَ مَعْصُومُونَ He did not repent to Allah in this verse because he committed a sin. Rather, because the prophets of Allah are protected. It was because he violated or crossed an adab, some element of respect. And he was apologizing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this. Now Musa alayhi salam told his people he would be, he would be, back, be back in 30 days. When 30 days passed by and Musa alayhi salam wasn't home, what happens now? Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi alayhi narrates, وَأَبْطَأَ مُوسَىٰ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ فِي هَذِهِ الْعَشْرِ عَلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ Musa alayhi salam delayed from his people for 10 days. فَمَعَقَلُوا جَوَازَ التَّأَنِّي وَالتَّأَخُرِ They did not understand why Musa alayhi salam was delayed. حَتَّى قَالُوا They said, إِنَّ مُوسَىٰ ظَلَّ أَوْ نَسِيَ that indeed Musa has been misguided or indeed he has forgotten. All the promises they made to Musa السلام, they broke them. We'll be good citizens, we won't goof around, we won't violate anything. They forgot everything. And they began to uh, rebel. قال ابن عباس إِنَّ مُوسَىٰ قَالَ لِقَوْمِهِ إِنَّ رَبِّي وَعَدَنِي ثَلَاثِينَ لَيْلَةً أَنَلْقَاهُ وَأَخْلُفَ فِيكُمْ إِحَارُونَ and Musa salam told his people that I am going to meet my Lord for 30 days. I am leaving behind my brother Harun. When Musa salam reached his Lord, Allah increased him by 10. It was in these 10 extra days that the fitna hit them. 